0: Scripture this morning uh, is taken from Paul's letter, the Apostle Paul's letter to the Corinthians, this is the second letter, chapter 5, and uh, P- Paul is writing to a church that's troubled by many things. It's a, it's a church with, like any church, it has its own problems. Uh, and so, Paul is, is uh, telling these folks that, uh, that they have a very important mission to fulfill. In fact, he's talking, Paul's talking about his own mission. Uh, And that is to spread the good news of of the resurrected life, of a new kind of life in Jesus Christ, and uh, that we can become new people. So, listen to Paul as he writes of his mission, what he's about, what the church should be about. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God Amen Can people really change Can a person become a radically different a radically different person from wh- from what he or she has been in the past Or is one doomed to kind of remain as they are, kind of a slave to the habits and attitudes and patterns of life that have been long established? What do you think? Can people really change, or must we believe the old adage, you know, about how, about us, about how uh, we're kind of like leopards, leopards can't change their spots. Have you heard that phrase? Leopards can't change their spots. Or there's another adage, similar. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Is that really, really the case? Well, you know, how often do we give up on people uh, saying, you know, he'll never change. He will always be that way. And maybe we talk that way about ourselves. I'm never, I'm, life is never going to be different for me. It's always going to be like this. I'll always be the same. Woe is me. So, it's easy to give in to despair and hopelessness. It's kind of like, you know, we can relate to the, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes in the, in the Old Testament where, where he's saying, um, you know, everything is meaningless. Everything is lacking purpose. There is nothing new under the sun. Uh, it's the same old, same old all the time. You know, can you say of anything in this world, here is something new? You know, so we get, we get down, you know. Oh, life will never change. Life will never change for me. Like I say, it's easy to give in to hopelessness. And you know what? If we don't think we can really change, or if we don't think that other people can change, then whatever we, whatever efforts we make to grow personally, uh, you know, we'll just stop doing. Because we don't believe it's going to help. You know? Or, or we'll pour scorn on other people's attempts to better themselves. Ah, you'll always be that way. That's not going to do you any good. To a large degree, you and I are conditioned by the world and by our negative patterns of thought to think so pessimistically. A world-famous traveler and animal photographer told of watching elephants being trained, and actually this is kind of a sad story, um, but this is what what people did to train elephants, for instance, for a circus. When the elephant calf is old enough to begin his education, his trainers attach a very large, you know, metal chain to one of his front legs, and then they attach the other end of the chain to a large tree. And so the frightened, angry animal struggles and strains and pulls and fights to free himself uh, because, you know, the, the, the calf wants to return to his herd, but after many days of effort, he finally, you know, he finally gives up and no longer tries to escape. And from then on, the elephant is conditioned to believe that any stationary object on the other end of his leg chain is immovable. So this explains how circus elephants can be tethered to small stakes in the ground. I mean, really, they could easily just, you know, move <laughs> you know, take that little stake with them, but no. They're mentally shackled to the giant trees that they were on, uh, that were on the other end of the, of the original chains. In, in kind of in the same way, you know, we are conditioned, we're shackled, if you will, uh, by our world and by our problems and by our circumstances. So, we think that life will never be any better, that we cannot change. And the fact is, if we are so conditioned, you know, to think that way, we can also, therefore, uh, condition ourselves to think differently. It was William James who was a very famous American philosopher and psychologist who said, the most exciting discovery of our generation is the discovery that we can alter our person by altering our attitude of mind. And you know what? To a certain extent, we can. I mean, we can teach ourselves new habits. We can work on them, you know. We can change the tapes, the negative tapes that are going on in our mind and change them with positive ones and so on. Uh, no doubt you know the, the self-improvement section at the local Barnes & Noble. I mean, there's probably some really good stuff there It's some good tips for human growth and so on. But you know what? All that stuff is easier said than done. Changing ourselves and overcoming such negative conditioning is not easy. Employing good principles of human psychology just isn't going to be enough if you and I are going to become the people that God wants for us to be. So, it's important to ask, what does the Bible have to say about the possibility of change and the source of human change? Well, the Bible talks about uh, change in terms of realism and hope. It never speaks of human change as something that's easy or painless we're automatic, and it always holds out hope that change is possible. In fact, the Bible goes so far as to say that God is always working on the side of positive change, making people better than they were before. Show me one instance of God coming to somebody in the Bible and saying, you're good, you don't have to do anything more, just be who you are, you know, just, you know, do your thing. But no, God is always seeking to promote change and growth and to make life better. And so that's what, actually, that's what the Lord had in mind when He gathered a bunch of disciples together. He didn't want to just impart a bunch of information about God, but He wanted to transform their lives. The Christian life is all about transformation, change. We can be somebody different than we were before speaking of the disciples, I like the the story of the Sunday school teacher. Uh, he uh, this guy was teaching his first grade class, and he was talking about the men who first followed Jesus. and And so he asked the class, "Now, who were those guys that first followed the Lord?" Now, what are they called? And of course, he was fishing for the word disciple, the disciples. But uh, the kids just weren't weren't getting it. So there was a long pause, and finally, this little kid. Raised his hand and said, I know, I know, they're the recycles. And I know, I, I think that's kind of an apt description uh, of those disciples. I mean, you know, here they were uneducated fishermen and a hated tax collector and people who were, who were just full of themselves But they were recycled into dedicated, useful servants of the Lord because they had been with Jesus, because they had walked with Him day by day. And over a period of three years, they took on the characteristics of Jesus more and more. They were recycled, if you will. They became new and different people for having been with Jesus. They were becoming more like Him every day. So, the gospel, the the, the Christian message is all about change, change you can make positive change in your life. Yes, you can become a new person. That doesn't mean that change can't be resisted or that people can't deteriorate and become worse than they are, but the basic biblical message is change is possible. People who have acted a certain way for a long period of time can live differently and become a different person. So listen, to the Apostle Paul who speaks out of his own personal experience. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old life is gone, the new has come. You know, when we first meet the Apostle Paul, actually before he was an apostle, his name was Saul, when we first meet him in the Scriptures, He was not a very loving person. You probably remember how he stood by and watched everybody stone Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr. I mean, Paul uh, was just holding uh, the coats of the the rock throwers who killed Stephen. And of course, you remember how Paul was dauntless in persecuting the, the early Christians Uh, Since he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he no doubt doubt thought of non-Jews as Gentile dogs. Uh, The worst thing in in Jewish thought is to be considered to be a pig or a dog. Dogs were were dirty. Um, And so, Paul, being the good Pharisee that he was, would have not associated with non-Jews at all. In fact, he wouldn't have associated with a lot of his own people because they were considered to be defiled. They were not observing the details of the the Jewish law. So he would have nothing to do with a lot of his own folks. But now something has changed in Paul. He says, from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. In other words, since he met Christ, he looks at people in a different way. Because he sees people, these other people, as people for whom Christ died. No longer does he evaluate people on the basis of of how how they look or what they have, but he sees other people through the eyes of Christ. So he comes to love the foreigner, and he loves non-Jews so much that he's willing to give his life to the work of of bringing non-Jews to Christ, He reaches out to those who are indifferent to him and to his message. He loves those who are even hostile to him. He says, I'm willing to spend and be spent for you, though the more I love you, the less you love me. And he found not only a new love for people, but he had a new love for God because he was simply overwhelmed by God's grace and mercy for him that of all people, he who persecuted God's people should be called to such an important ministry and to share the good news of Christ. Paul couldn't believe it. God's mercy shone towards him. And now there wasn't anything Paul wouldn't do out of, out of love for the Lord, what the Lord had done for him. So, ever since Paul met the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, remember when he was persecuting the early church? He was, I guess he was riding along on his horse. And, and, then, and then he was zapped. I mean, the risen Christ kind of zapped him, knocked him off his horse knocked him to the ground, and all of a sudden then, Paul found his life changed. He found new meaning and purpose for his life, a new passion to serve God and others. He discovered a joy that that none of the difficult circumstances of his life could could take away. His Lord had changed him, and the Spirit of the Lord would, would continue to work his changes in his life and shape his character until the day he died. So, if Christ can change a guy like him. He can change people like you and me. And so what's the secret to this change? Well, it's found in two little words. Actually, I think these two words are probably one of the most the most important phrase in the whole Bible. And it's a phrase that was that's found in that statement of Paul. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. In Christ. Paul uses that phrase over and over again in his writings. He's basically talking about a personal relationship because, you see, Paul found his world and his inner being changed not by some new doctrine or some new teaching, or a new philosophy of life, but he was changed by a, by a living, personal encounter with the risen Lord. And he found himself transformed by a deep and abiding friendship. In fact, he found that this friend was actually taking up residence in his own heart. <laughs> Remember, Jesus said, abide in me, and, and I'll abide in you. There's a continuing relationship that people have with a living Lord that goes on and on and on. And Paul had that relationship. Paul says the secret of life, the secret of the possibility of positive change is this. He wrote this to the Colossians. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. You. It's a friendship that begins when we realize that we've actually been God's enemies, that we've been running away from God, that we've been running our own show, that we've been trying to live life by our own, you know, our own wisdom, such as it is. And then we wonder why life isn't turning out the way it ought to turn out. Well, it turns out we've been actually God's enemy, been keeping Him at bay. Keeping away, him away. And so we have to come to the realization, as Paul did, that this, you know, this arrangement that we have, that we're running our own show, that we're the captain of our own soul, just isn't working out. Why am I so unhappy? Why am I so unfulfilled? Why am I getting into such trouble? Because you've been doing your own thing, and you've been paying no attention to God, whom you really, you do treat as kind of an enemy. Oh, don't bug me, God. I'm doing my own thing." So we've actually been at odds with God, and the great need for us, if we wanted to have a change for the better, is to be reconciled with God. That's Paul's urgent plea in this, in this lesson to the Corinthians. He says, be reconciled to God, which means get right with God. Stop running, stop fighting Him tooth and nail whether you're doing so intentional, unintentionally or intentionally, become His friend, not His enemy. And new life for us begins when we stop insisting on having our own way, following our own ego. It begins when we turn from our self-centered ways and then move in God's direction. And then you know what happens? The risen Lord takes residence in our own hearts. That's the mystery. That's the secret of life, of change. Christ in you. It's, you know, it's, it blows your mind when you think about it. He makes of our heart His dwelling place. And that changes everything. So, the question is, do you hear Him knocking at the door of your heart? Can you hear Him, you know, saying, hey, you've been leaving me outside. You've been leaving me in the cold. I need to come in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And so the question is will we let him in? Or will we indeed leave him out in the cold? The Spirit of God is working on each of us all the time, and new life begins when we respond to his initiative. And then we make a decision, and we say, Lord, come in. Take control of my life. You be the master of my house. You be the master of my heart. Lord, I'm done running my own show. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. Change me, Lord, because I know there's something missing in my life, and I need it. And, you know, even if we've grown up in the church, you know, and we've been around faith, you know, all the time, still, all of us need to make a decision to invite Him in and allow Him to become our friend. There is a story of a business person who was selling a warehouse property, and this place was a mess, um, you know, it had been vacant for for weeks, for months, vandals had come in. They'd smash windows. They broke down doors. There was trash strewn all over the place. And so, this guy was showing a prospective buyer the property, and uh, he took pains to say that that he would bring in a crew who would do all the cleaning up and would repair any structural structural damage that that, uh, that the prospective buyer could see. And the buyer said, uh, "Forget about the repairs." When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building. I want the site. And you see, that's what God wants. God doesn't, isn't interested in just making a few repairs in our life. But God wants us <laughs> He wants us to turn ourselves over to him so that he can build and work his changes in you and in me. All God wants is the sight and the permission to build. Now, when we say, okay, God, come into my life, take over, you you be the master of my house, uh, Lord, rule in my heart when we give ourselves over to Him, our life essentially then becomes a construction site. You know, it's like downtown Seattle. I mean, the cranes are going everywhere, and uh, there is a work in progress all the time. The Spirit of the Lord, who is now present in us, is doing His work. And when He comes in, you see, He gives us a new identity. There's a new power at work within us. The inner core of our being is fundamentally changed. The uh, there's a new principle at work here, there's a new power, there's a new person at work in us so that we find that our motivations begin to change and our goals change and we begin to want what god wants and our worship life comes alive and our character begin, begins to change over time and we find that we become more loving and more purposeful and we become more more kindly, we become more patient with people, we become more generous This happens over time as the spirit works with our spirit to to produce what's called the fruit of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, and so on, so that every day we're becoming more like Christ. That's a lifelong process, and that's not easy, it's not automatic, it's not painless, Our spirit must cooperate with the Holy Spirit within. Paul says in another place that we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Got to work it out. Work it out. It takes faith and obedience and discipline on our part. But we have the confidence that that God who began a good work in us, who started this construction project, will carry it out to completion. So that when, when Christ comes, as John says, we shall be like Him. So don't believe the old adage, oh, you know, leopard can't change its spots, can't teach an old dog new tricks. The gospel is all about becoming a new person. But that can happen only when you and I are in Christ and have an abiding friendship with Him. He lives. He's alive, and the secret of new life is that He comes in, changes us from the inside out, changes the core of our being. So, yes, you and I become new creations. He makes it possible. Be reconciled to God. If you are not right with God, get right with him begins with a sense of of unsettledness hey life isn't working for me things are not working out i'm in control and i don't like what's happening here but lord maybe i've been at odds with you maybe i've been treating you like an enemy well no more god come be my friend not only be my friend but be my guide be my Savior, be my Lord, and Lord, help me to walk in newness of life. Become God's friend in Christ because He has already befriended you. Let Him make you a brand new person. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, you, all are, you are all about positive change and Uh, Lord, it's amazing what You can do in people's lives when they give their lives over to You. And uh, Lord, we we pray that that would uh, happen anew for us this day, that we would turn our lives over to You, that we would recognize that You are the one who is our Lord, and that to follow You is to experience life in all its fullness. Lord, forgive us when we've been at odds with You. Forgive us when we've ignored You. Change us from the inside out by the power of Your Spirit working within. Lord, indeed, help us to walk in newness of life. You alone make it possible. To You be all the praise and glory forever. Amen.